you want to open your pew Bibles to follow the reading, it's on page 1135. And the reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 17. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 17. Those who live according to their flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to that. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about by your adoption to sonship. And by him you cry, Abba, Father! The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As your children, we come now to listen to what you're wanting to say to us. We ask that Peter will indeed preach in the realm of the Spirit and that in the same way we will hear and respond with open ears. Amen. Thank you, Richard. <clears throat> a young woman was on the fast track <clears throat> of the... Excuse me, let me take a drink. <clears throat> Start again. <clears throat> a young woman was on the fast track of her management of her company. And uh, being wise, she sought the advice of her CEO, the chief executive, a businesswoman she greatly admired. And so she said to this chief executive, she said, Boss, what do I need most of all to become a good manager? And the boss said back to her, Well, you need to learn how to make good choices. 
how do I do that? The young woman asked. The boss said, well, it's experience. Well, how do I get that sort of experience? She asked again. And the boss said, bad choices. Today, as you know, is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day we celebrate, remember, and experience the reality of the Holy Spirit and remember the Holy Spirit falling on the first disciples in that upper room in Jerusalem all those years ago. And it's also the day when we can cry out to God as our Father. Uh, Abba, Father, come, Holy Spirit, on us. Change us, renew us, inspire us. Help us to serve you in the places you have put us. It's also, of course, the birthday of the church. It's, it's the day we remember the church starting uh, with power as they were bound together to witness for Christ in the world. But I want us to approach uh, Pentecost in a slightly different way, uh, not looking at the Acts chapter 2 passage, but uh, from a, a slightly different angle. And we're looking at this passage in Romans chapter 8. And we're just going to think a little bit about how God is our Father and how, as our Father, he helps us to live as his children. And he has enabled us to be now co-heirs with Christ. And so we're going to look at uh, St. Paul's writing in Romans. It's theologically daunting, complex, complicated, challenging, and so let me start with a health warning. This is not easy scripture to understand, Uh, but we're going to do our best, and uh, and hopefully by the end you'll have got your heads around at least a little bit about what Paul is saying to us as believers in Jesus. So let's just set this passage in a little bit of context, because St. Paul is like that. If you come at him straight in, you don't really get what he's saying. Uh, so let's just try and get into his, his uh, way of thinking as he writes to the Romans. In the previous chapter, in Romans chapter 7, Paul is in a quandary. He's been arguing that because they are in Christ, because of being in Christ, because he has been, he is in Christ, he has been set free. He's been set free from sin to become what, he's, what he calls a slave of righteousness or a slave to righteousness but there is still a battle raging in him there's still this battle in his soul and in his body that is raging and you can see that when he says in uh, these words in chapter 7 and I'm going to read verses 14 to 20 of chapter 7 so he says for we know that the law is spiritual but I am unspiritual sold as a slave to sin I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Did you follow that? Some of you did. Some of you may not. If you did, well done. Uh, If you didn't, well, maybe you were as confused as Paul was when he wrote it. But basically, he is saying that sin entangles him. He is entangled by sin. He's not completely free of his old way of life, even though he's now a Christian, even though he's now given his life to Christ. 
And I wonder if that rings any bells with you. It certainly does with me. But there's a solution to the quandary. And Paul proclaims that solution loud and clear at the beginning of our chapter, chapter 8, when he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the news we need to hear, isn't it? This is the news that every single person around the world needs to hear, that if we are in Christ Jesus, we are no longer condemned by sin, that we are set free from the power and hold that sin had over us before we were in him. And yet Paul now leaves the land exactly what that new way of life is. And to contrast it with the old way of life. And that's what he's going to do in this passage that we've just heard read. Now there are three words in this passage that I want you to, to know and I want you to just try and get hold of. And they're, they're Greek. Greek words. So uh, here we go. The first of these is sarks, which is the Greek that Paul uses for flesh. The second word is pneuma. There's a silent P on the beginning of that, but it's it's pneuma. That's the the Greek word for spirit or Holy Spirit. And the third word is soma, S-O-M-A, and that means our body, our physical body. And these are the three conditions that Paul uses to describe our humanity, the condition of a human being, if you like. We're made up of those three things. We're made up of flesh, we're made up of spirit, we're made up of body. Now, what Paul demonstrates is that being a Christian and being a non-Christian are two mutually exclusive spheres of life. It it is impossible to be both at the same time. It's a bit like I was to say, I live both in Shropshire and I live in Herefordshire at the same time. I can't, unless your house is absolutely right on the border. You can't say that. You're either in Shropshire or you're in Herefordshire. You can't be in both counties at the same time. And that's what Paul is saying about uh, being a a Christian. He's saying you can't be both. You've got to be either either one or the other. And so he starts with the first category, that of the flesh or sarks in the Greek. Now, various versions of the the Bible uh, render it differently. It might be being in the flesh, but in my version, it's in the sinful nature, but they're they're the same. Being in the flesh and the sinful nature is the same. So if you're living, if you're in the flesh, you're living in a place which is ruled by sin. So your natural inclination is to do what your sinful nature is telling you to do. And, and, and Paul is Paul's saying it's about self-gratification, it's, it's pleasing yourself, it's that selfish indulgence. And that's why he says in verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature or the flesh have their minds set on what the nature, that nature desires. Not only that, but being ruled by the flesh, he says in verses 6 and 7, means the mind of sinful man is death. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Now, you could get all a little bit holier than that at this point and say, well, that's not me. I'm not ruled by the flesh. And you could become a little bit pharisaical and say, well, I'm, you know, I'm better than that. And, you know, and, and, but it's an attitude, I think, that we need to try and avoid if we can. Because if, you, you know, if you're finding yourself a little bit more holier than thou and it's sort of, you know, I'm so, I'm so holy, just remember that you were once not a Christian. That that's what you used to be like. That's if you are a Christian, obviously. But I was looking around, I think we all are. 
uh, that if you were, if you, once, once you were not a Christian. We, once, we were once all like that. We had our minds set on ourselves. We had our minds set on advancing ourselves at the expense of others. We had our minds set on criticizing other people if they got in our way. We had, we had in our minds trampling on those who are vulnerable or weaker than us. Those are some of the things, by no means all, of what it means to be in the flesh or in the sinful nature. It doesn't mean deliberately sinning all the time. That's not what it's necessarily talking about. There's nothing, it's also not saying there's nothing good in us. That's, not, that's also not saying that. But the default position of that condition is about pleasing ourselves first and others second and God well, maybe not at all. That's the first one, and that's, that's the flesh, or sarx in the Greek. The second one is, is living in the spirit, the, the pneuma of God, the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of, of, of God who is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The spirit comes upon us when we say yes to him, when we uh, turn to him. And see the contrast with living in the flesh. If we are in the spirit, we have our mindset of what the Spirit desires. We also have our mind controlled by the Spirit, who is life and peace. So the difference is, is stark, isn't it? If the Spirit of Christ resides in you, your mind has been transformed by the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ, who enables us to live in a way that pleases him. Not putting ourselves first, but God first. And so we move from being self-orientated to God-orientated. Your perspective changes, your attitude changes from yourself to a selfless devotion to God. That is the power of God working in someone's life. And thirdly, the good news doesn't stop there. Not only is our mind transformed, but our body, our soma, is transformed as the, the power of the resurrection of Christ comes upon us. You see, if God's spirit dwells in you, he has taken up his dwelling place in you. So that when you die, you, your body will be transformed, renewed to live in eternity. Verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Do you see the contrast again? The person who is ruled by the spirit is headed, sorry, the person who is ruled by the flesh is headed towards death. That is because sin cannot be where God is. But the person who is ruled by the spirit is headed towards life. That is life now and life for eternity. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, he says in chapter 6 of Romans. But a few years ago now, when I was curate in Leicester Diocese, I was a, a group of, in a group of clergy, we were invited to go into Leicester Prison by the chaplain in, in the prison there in Leicester. And uh, we were shown around the prison buildings and, and, and you know, saw where the inmates are and, and the, the, the places where they spend their time and so on. And we went to the block where they have their cells. And we were told that when the prisoners arrive, they are classed as standard inmates. 
And so they get certain privileges. They might get a TV. Uh, they might get, a, get exercise. Uh, they can make phone calls home. But they have a choice. They can behave well or they can behave badly. And the consequences of, of those choices are stark. So if they do the right things, if they choose to do the right things and behave well, they become what, they, what is called enhanced prisoners. And so they can get more privileges. They might get, I don't know, a, a DVD player or whatever it is. But if they are bad prisoners, then they are demoted to basic status. And those privileges are taken away that they have enjoyed. They have their cell, yes, but it's a very, very basic cell. Very, very simple. And in the same sort of way, it, it's like that for us as Christians. Because we've got a daily choice to make. We're saved through faith in Christ. Yes, we are. When we give our lives to him and admit our need of him. And at that, spirit, the, the, that point, the spirit comes into us and quickens our spirit and makes us alive and, and helps us to get to know Jesus better. And yet, even though we are saved, we can still choose to do what this sinful nature is telling us to do. As if we were still in the flesh and, and behaving in ways that are alien to God and being a child of God. And you can actually choose to live a way of life that is the old way of life. But it's now a choice. It's not just something we do without realizing it. So, for example, two examples. I've just plucked them out of the air, really, but just two examples. You may find yourself in a position when you're in conversation, they may or may not be a Christian, when they start gossiping about someone. And at that point, you have a choice of, I'm going to join in with that or I'm not going to join in with that. Or you might be in conversation with somebody, and I hope at this, this point, then I'm thinking of someone who's not a Christian, but they, they are, they're using God's name in vain. And at that point, you've got a choice of, do I challenge that gently or do I not? And there are countless other ways that this plays out in our lives day by day. Choices that we make and can make. So like the prisoners in that, in that jail in Leicester, we can choose to live God's way and enjoy the privileges of being a child of God, or we can go the other way and experience alienation from God. And this is what Paul says in verses 12 to 15. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit of God you put the misdeeds of the body to death, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We can cry, Daddy, Abba, Father. It's intimate relationship with God, our Father. Not rebuking, not living in fear of his rebuke, but in a way that a child cries out to their daddy, to their father. Now, my girls are teen, teenage, they're well into their teens, and even though they're well into their teens, they sometimes still say to me, Daddy, help me. You know, got into a situation where they need help. And I get to them as soon as I can to, to get them out of trouble, whatever that is. You know, sometimes teenagers do things that they shouldn't do, of course. But 
That's the same with you and me. We can cry out to God, Daddy, help me. Help me, Lord. I've got myself tangled in sin. I've got myself in a situation where I shouldn't have got myself. Lord, help me. Save me. And because God loves us, he comes to us and he saves us. He frees us from that sin. He disentangles us from that sin. And he lifts us up out of the quagmire we got ourselves into. You see, we are set free from the power of sin that leads to death. And now we have God's spirit that leads to life in all its fullness. Now, as I come to an end, if you want to know if you're living in the spirit, well, it's pretty easy. Galatians chapter 5 has a list of the gifts of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, says Paul, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And maybe it's a good idea from time to time to sit down with someone and say, can you just help me to discern, am I living in this way or not? You know, like you take your car for an MOT and you know, you say to the, to the mechanic, is my car working okay? Sit down with someone and say to that person, help me to discern, am I living with these gifts being shown in my life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. And it, it's encouraging if, if your friend or whoever it is says to you, I think you're living with more love and kindness and gentleness than you were last year. And today is Pentecost Sunday. Today we believe and celebrate and remember that the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. All flesh. So today be open to the Spirit. Be open to Him saying to you, my son, my daughter, I love you. Live in my way. So we have a choice to make, a daily choice. We can either live in the flesh or we can live in the Spirit. And my prayer is that we would live in the Spirit, be set free to praise our Lord Jesus day by day by our words, our deeds, and our attitudes. Let's pray. I'm just going to leave a moment of quiet for you to have a conversation with God in your heart. And then I'll pray. Lord Jesus, you invite us into relationship with you. You invite us into living in the power of the Holy Spirit day by day. Father, you have made us co-heirs with Christ. Seated us in the heavenly realms. Given us that status, that privilege of being a son or daughter of God. Lord, help each and every one of us to live each day in the power of the Spirit. To be set free from sin to glorify you and to point others towards you. And Lord, where we're tangled up in sin, would you free us? Would you send your spirit upon us and help us to live in a way that proclaims the freedom of Christ, the freedom of living in your way? Come upon us, we pray, on this Pentecost Sunday. For the glory of Jesus, we pray.